Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. This week, the format is going to be a little bit different than previous episodes. A few days ago, I sat down with Jay Mizell to record My Comic Shop History. We were also joined by returning guest Doug Desher. Jay is a retired social studies teacher who operated a comic book booth at the Porchester Flea Market for 35 years. In late 2013, the market shut down, and Jay had to close up shop and relocate his merchandise to his garage. Jay is also a fixture at Alternate Realities, where he has had lunch with the store's owner, Steve Odo, every Monday and Thursday for years. Jay was in rare form. Here's a supercut of how it went. Is that close enough? Is that close enough, Master? Okay. But again, just the normal, normal, normal volume is good. That's fine. Okay. I hope you leave this in. Welcome to My Comic Shop History. This I week, still don't know what a podcast is, but that's all right. Jay, welcome. Mm-hmm. welcome Good to, evening. Welcome to My Comic Shop History. Good evening to your comic shop history, too. And to my left is returning guest, Doug Desher. Why does he go twice? Because <laughs> he likes me a lot. <laughs> all right. The content is great, but you, I need you talking into the microphone. All right. Well, that's one thing God I would ask you not, not to do. Okay, I won't okay, do that. Okay, thank you. But maybe we don't open the water bottle right out over all the equipment. <laughs> we weren't going to spill it. Don't worry about it. I'm glad you're videotaping this. Actually, I came in when Prem was here. In fact, that's when Prem was sit- used to sit here. You got to talk into the mic, my friend. Well, I can't. I can't. Oh, that's when Prem used to sit there. There. Well, people don't know where you're pointing. Well, I'm pointing right behind me. Well, he must. I'm I mean, not the easiest person in the world to get along with. You don't say. <laughs> Jeez, if I if it was oh any closer, God. see, this is this it is what happens. My, it would be in my every, every time you tell him to get close, that's what he does. So when I say get close, I don't need you to get close and get loud. Just get close. Why the hell can I sit back here and get loud? Okay, I'd rather do that. I'd rather you close. I'd rather what? I'd prefer if you didn't deliberately spit into the microphone, please. All right. Uh, my oh. mind isn't what it once was, and, you know, I just go with, go with the flow, man. Go with the flow. In terms of what you sell, you sell comic books? You sell... You want me to talk about my movie posters? Just, could, you just let me, could, you, could you just let me get it out, please? Within the past year or so, you started doing the occasional outdoor flea market in Hastings? Yeah. I'm, you fact, you look at me like like I'm out of my mind, but I I know. No, I thought you were going to say I was. I'm selling movie posters. You still like being a comic retailer, huh? That's a no. I like the interplay, interaction between people. Yeah, especially now it's fun. Because Could you please talk into the microphone? Nah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, if I held the goddamn thing, it would be much better. You know what? You should have invested in one of those headset mics. Just put it on him, and no matter where he yeah, sits, yeah, right. gotta, that's true. What do you want me to? What do you want me to do? I want you to. I want you to talk into the microphone. Besides that, what do you want me to do? The internet has killed a lot of radio. But well, you because, like technology, yeah. But the problem with Why? radio because it makes life more convenient. So what's wrong with a little inconvenience? The fuck is wrong with you? Really? <laughs> we, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Wait, wait, you need, you need convenience? Yes. Bullshit. No. Be a little inconvenience. Oh, I'm inconvenienced every day. There you go. So are there any questions that you have for Jay? Anything that any, either life advice or something more specific along the lines oh, of what we've been talking about? I'll fucking head with this microphone. 
Have there been any funny or memorable encounters that you can share with us? No. No. Nope. You once drove across the, the little island in the parking lot here. Probably I put my foot on the accelerator thinking I was putting my foot on the brake. That's not a good story. <clears throat> You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to warn you. Well, is there anything else you would like to say? Oh, all sorts of things. Anything in particular? Just everything in general. There you have it. That's pretty much how it went for about an hour and a half. I did manage to discuss with Jay how he feels about alternate realities closing and whether he'll continue to see Steve afterward. And you'll hear that conversation a little bit later in this episode. But first, we have a surprise guest on My Comic Shop History, Michael Kaplan, a.k.a. Metalhead, a former owner of alternate realities. Welcome, sir. Hello. You actually reached out to me last week to tell me about some stories you have from your time at alternate realities, especially during the, the late 90s. So you're here to, to fill in some uh, the secret chapters, some missing pieces within uh, alternate realities lore. It's a big part of the history of the store, and I think it might be sort of a little peek into uh, how Steve became the person he is. The timing of this is perfect. This is the penultimate episode of our 12-episode podcast event. So I think it'll be great to sort of fill in that history of my comic shop history before we wrap it all up in the finale next week. To kick things off, I, I have to ask you about your nickname. It's funny because, well, as you've heard in these episodes, we've spoken about a lot of the nicknames that we've given customers who have come through the store, but we also do give nicknames to each other. So, again, your name is Michael Kaplan, but you are known to, to all of us as Metalhead, or Metal for short. How did that nickname come to be? I started coming to the store when I was 14 or 15 years old, uh, somewhere around 95 Okay, so the store had been around for about three years at that point. Correct. Uh, it was after the first batch of owners, and it was when Steve and Brandon were co-owners. I think it was towards the beginning of Brandon's first uh, episode of owning the store. And I used to ride my bike here with my friend. Uh, his name is Carl, and he had the name of Helmet Head because he wore a bike helmet. Because he was Helmet Head, Matt Hull sounds a lot like Helmet. So I became Helmet Head's friend. And I know I, at the beginning, Steve was reaching for my name and couldn't come up with it. So he said, Metalhead. And the name forever stuck with one of the worst explanations of why I have the name possible. Any preference between being called Metal versus being called Metalhead? Because I feel like if it were me, I'd be, I'd be much cooler with Metal than Metalhead. Um, Am I overthinking it? Yeah. It's, All right. It's... You know, I'm a person with many nicknames. My first name's Michael, so I've really lived my whole life with nicknames because there's always a bunch of Michaels around. That, so that was your introduction to the, the world of alternate realities, and then you went from a customer to eventually an owner of the store. Correct. Well, I was actually never a customer. I guess my famous line is, I don't even like comics. Um, and I think this really ties into the whole theme of the series, which is friendship. Yes. I came here because this is where my friends were. I never read comics. I've tried a few times along. I just don't get them. But this is where my friends were. When I got my driver's license, I got home from the DMV, got in my car and drove here. Same here. That was the exact same thing. Yeah. It was a little different back in those days. So it was Brandon and Steve were the owners. 
and Steve was here most of the time working and Brandon would come in on weekends and be here off and on. So this was after, you know, the three co-founders started the store, Steve, Gene, and Kevin. And then this was after Gene and Kevin left and Brandon bought in. Correct. So I would ride my bike here and I would hang out here. And uh, one thing which wasn't mentioned uh, at all throughout this whole thing was gambling. Uh, in the early days of the store, there was a lot of gambling here. Uh, you would walk in and you would see somebody named Paul Miller, who uh, was a professional limo driver, sitting at the counter. And generally, it was cribbage we would play. Sometimes we would play backgammon. We'd play gin rummy. But usually one of those three games we would be playing for money. Not significant amounts, but $20, $30, $40 would change hands in a day. Uh, not unusually. During one of the ownership changes, the gambling was sort of uh, ixnayed. I think it was when Steve sold to Prem. At one point during the Pokemon craze, it was just Brandon and Prem that were owners. I don't know if I was ever a paid employee before I owned the store. Back before, really, you guys came along, you guys being the new breed around 2001, 2002, when you came out uh, for high school, the store was run by Steve and the owners and whoever happened to be hanging out. I was a 15-year-old kid who rode my bike here, and one day, Steve was busy in the back, and he asked me to ring someone up. And I rang someone up, and then how to use the credit card machine, and... I don't think I ever had a key at that point, but I would run the store. Steve would go out for an hour and I'd be here alone. I wasn't paid. I wasn't expected to be paid. Um, one interesting thing is I used to ride my bike here and Steve would put my bike in the back of his car and drive me and my bike home uh, once or twice a week if it got too dark. Uh, which from a, you know, a standpoint now looking, um, I don't know how my parents allowed that, uh, you know. Wow, my 15-year-old son's riding his bike to a store, and the store owner is driving him home. <laughs> um, but it was totally normal and totally reasonable. And it was really that friendship. Is that I came here not for comics. I didn't come here for anything else. I came here because it was fun here. And I think throughout the years, sort of the people that gravitated here were sometimes people with less friends, sometimes people that didn't necessarily fit in with where they were or have a lot of friends out there. A bunch of people without friends who found people who they could relate to. You know, it's really funny talking about ages and everything because when I started working here and even before that, it was always such a cool prospect of like, oh, one day I can own the store. And then I'm listening to all you guys buying in in high school, college. It's like, I, <laughs> I had the wrong idea. Yeah, it, I, we spent so much time here and the store is actually doing quite well. Um, I bought in, I was doing the magic tournaments. And the store was doing pretty well. It was paying all its bills. We were all pulling salary. I was one of the owners with Drew um, and Brandon and Steve. Steve was a 50% owner of the store. Brandon and I were 20% owners, and Drew was a 10% owner. In terms of your legacy, you are credited with computerizing the credit reserve system. So it used to be that our regular customers, they would make their purchases, and they would be written down and tallied in a notebook. And then when they hit $100, they get a $10 credit. You were the one who set up the current system where everything is, is computerized. Do you want to talk about that? Well, we could first talk about the fact that it's now 14 years old, the software I wrote. Um, hey, man, still works. <laughs> uh, so that, that might be the first thing to discuss, but um, that shows how fast change happens here. But honestly, I think the notebook was a better idea. 
Really? Notebook's faster. Notebook can't crash. It doesn't take you away. Why should the reserve system, which is pointless in its own effect, it should just be a 10% discount at the register. So we have a convoluted system to begin with. The system doesn't need to exist. It's let's give somebody a 10% discount, but let's make it complicated is really what it's saying. So now you've taken a system called a 10% discount, which is pretty universally understood. And now you've created an entire software platform around monitoring this person's 10% discount. Yeah, but it worked on Brian O'Day because he chose that over the 25% discount because he liked banking those credits. See, maybe there's a method to the madness. I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to go right past that one. Um, so so our primary philosophical difference that me and Steve had, and he alluded to in the first episode when he said, uh, you know, I ordered six and the other guy wanted to order 20 the next month. I recall it slightly differently. Um, what would happen is, let's say we had 20 Spider-Man books. We would order 20 and sell out every week or every month. And the next month we would order 20 again. And I said, if we sell out two months in a row, why don't we increase it by one or two? Because there could be 700 people that want to buy Spider-Man and we're selling out 20 of them. I said, you can't grow. How are you going to grow unless you have one book every month? We should have one of every book left on the shelf every month and then we could cut it back. And then we'll know what we're truly at the max. But it was a very, very contentious thing and it ended up into shouting matches all the time. It just became painful for all of us. Um, And we reached a point where the four owners met one day in the back room, and I'm sure this is in the folklore. I don't even think I remember it happening, but I remember Bill telling the story of what happened. So Bill's at the front, and the store's full of people, apparently. And the door's closed, but the door's made of tissue paper. And what happened is just Steve yelled out at some point, this is my life. I think it might have been a combination of, I have no fucking life, this is my life. Something along those lines. I mean, how would you... I mean... (laughs) You're probably too close to it, but I mean, how would you describe yourself as a business partner? I mean, looking back, are you like, oh man, I was really a pain in the ass. I gave Steve a hard time or how do you, I mean, how do oh, you look at it? I, I love giving Steve a hard time. Um, you know, you push buttons, you, 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 you mess with people. That was sort of what we did. There was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of um, sort of messing with each other um, and you push people around and you, you get them to go off and that was fun. Um, but yeah, I certainly wasn't there. I didn't treat him with the respect of his being an elder, I definitely see how I contributed to the problems, uh, especially knowing Steve. I don't think any of us really were looking to end it, but at some point Steve gave the ultimatum. He said, look, buy me out or I'm buying you out, but I'm not going to be partners with you anymore. We all sort of understood this is Steve's store. One thing that I view as sort of the downfall of the store is Steve was the sole owner. He really needs someone else to push him. What we all see, this wasn't something, nobody could be proud of this now. You could sort of make an argument for why there are good features to it, but I don't think anybody would say, look at my store, look at what a good job I did. I think if you sat Steve down and you might have that opportunity and really say, Are you proud of what it is? Not proud of what you have done or proud of what happened, but proud of what it is today? I don't know if it would be truthful if anybody said yes. He did declare himself the winner in his closing announcement. 
He, he won in the fact that he's the last to die, but you're still dead. I guess I'm going to join the rest of the people involved in the podcast when they are talking about Steve not trying to pile on or say negative things, um, but objectively, I guess it's subjectively, describe the situation. And his wife is saying, you're talking about my husband. And I don't care what you're saying, but stop saying mean things. She only has the perspective of this is her husband. This is the person she loves. I want to jump back for a second because you mentioned the comments that his wife Anne made when she was on the show. And there was one thing in particular she said that kind of stuck with me. And I I would like to have you respond to it because she said, as much as you guys bitch and moan about Steve on this podcast, if she were to to say that to you, that you're bitching and moaning, I mean, how how would you respond to that? Because I mean, well, I have my own opinion, but let me ask you. So I don't think that we are attacking Steve. I think these are really, this isn't even new observations. These are frustrations we've had for so long. And you finally put a microphone in front of our face and we're able to say it. But these aren't new observations. They aren't things that are that we haven't told Steve. I mean, Steve is the store. I could say, wow, the store has a lot of shit on the walls. But it's, wow, Steve put a lot of shit on the walls. It's the same sentence. Wow, the store's carpet looks like it's alive. But it's really, Steve hasn't replaced the carpet. Steve hasn't vacuumed. There's no differentiation between Steve and the store. If the store did something, it's because Steve did it to the store. When somebody wants to come and do a signing at the store... The store isn't the one that says no. If we didn't love Steve, we wouldn't be saying this. He's just giving us a chance to voice all our frustration for so many years. We've had this frustration for 20 years. So going back to me, I was dead, dead, dead at one point. Um, So after I had sold the store to whoever I sold it to, I had opened up my own game store with a, a partner in Dobbs Ferry um, with the goal of taking the magic kit. So Steve didn't want to do magic here anymore. He hated magic. Bill was running the tournaments, but it was here. And I guess it was generating some sort of money. So we were going to open up a store. That's a game store that's dedicated with cards in a showcase and tables and chairs and all that stuff. And I did it, but I didn't tell Steve. The problem arose because nobody else told Steve either. And all our friends, the whole group at the time knew about it. They all came to the store. Eventually, one of the kids who played at my store came over here and said, hey, what do you think of metal store? And Steve said, what store? What came out of that was Steve, St- I was dead to Steve and blah, blah, blah. But I, 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 at that point, um, things were pr- fairly poor between us from the ownership uh, breaking up. But one thing that came out of it that I appreciated much later was Steve felt very betrayed. Not by me, but by the rest of the people he thought were his friends. And I think that hurt his friendship with the few of them i don't know if he you know put it in his gunny sack and still carries it around today listening through the podcast i sort of shotgunned them all in the last week because i want to see i want to retell things i want to cover things that were recovered one thing that and i'm going to put this out as a hypothetical not that i necessarily believe it but my hypothetical observation and we could discuss this is we are all friends around here but is Steve consider us friends? In his first episode, he really, he mentioned having friend once. And that was a new dog that he would be getting because he wanted to have a real friend. And that really struck a chord after the documentary and after 
all these things and the whole purpose is friendship his real strive is to have a friend by getting a dog and that struck me as sort of um strange that's a very very interesting observation he puts some people that aren't his friends ahead of people who would consider them his friend i think i if i think if he truly considered us all his friends, he wouldn't have made some of the decisions he made. He he made some decisions that, you know, were were hurtful and stood by them. You know, I mean, as you're saying that, I can't help but think of the, the current situation that I find myself in with Steve, where, you know, I went into this on episode five, so if people want the full story, they can listen to that. But basically, Steve decided to participate in a new documentary about alternate realities done by one of his customers over my objections. And you know, I did and do feel hurt and betrayed over it. He felt betrayed when everyone else didn't tell him, didn't tell him about your store. So he understands these these notions of, of loyalty and betrayal. Again, it's a, it's you have to really assess if Steve views us the same way we view him. I mean, at his core, he might just think we're all customers. And he's doing this because, you know, it keeps people coming in and they keep buying books. I, I don't know. I don't believe that, honestly, personally. I think we all consider Steve a friend. Um, I still consider Steve a friend despite our, you know, trouble past. I don't think we'd ever be the friends that we were before. And that's sort of how I feel about what's going on right now. Steve has been a lot of things to me over the years. You know, first he was a comic book dealer and then employer. But mostly, I mean, he's been a friend, a teacher, a mentor. You know, when he got a gun <laughs> and uh, I was one of the, his references on the application, you know, you know, I wrote that he was like a second father to me and I meant it and, and still mean it. I mean, I think that's why I'm so bothered by what's transpiring now. I'm bothered by the fact that you actually facilitated him getting a gun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been a little worried about that. <laughs> but, you know, so so I think that's, you know, that's part of the reason why. You know, it, it bothers me as much as it does, but, you know, I certainly haven't forgotten everything that's come before. And, you know, again, here's an example. You know, things might not be the best between us at the moment, but, you know, Steve had to change the locks here recently at the store. And, you know, he, you know, he still had an extra key made for me so that I could come here and do the podcast. It's, I don't know, it's a difficult thing. I mean, the closing of the store in general has been very bittersweet, but this has, has sort of made it even more difficult personally. One thing to consider is that all along, for your documentary, for the podcast, for the news articles, for everything, I think really you've been telling our stories, not Steve's story. I think the Steve in the store is a sideshow to this. So all along, everything, and even through his podcast and even me today, have been very focused on Steve. But I think if you take at the end, the the sum of all your your work... It's really not about Steve. It might even be your story that you're telling. Oh, I like that. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I don't disagree with you, especially over the course of doing this podcast, you know, and, and talking to all of these different people who have had different roles in and around the store. You know, the importance of the community as a whole, separate from Steve's role in all of this. Not that I didn't know that before, but it's definitely become even clearer to me over the course of doing this. Throughout this entire podcast, about half the people you asked said they don't think they'll see Steve ever again after the store closes. He said that the dog's going to be his best friend. All these things combined, you know, that nobody's saying, wow, I don't think we're going to see Rich again. 
No way saying, you know what? It's nice knowing Brian, but we're never seeing him again. Nobody says that. But for Steve, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, is he going to drop off the face of the earth? Is he really our friend or is he just the 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 ringleader for the circus? Is And when the circus closes uptown, is he just going to go on his merry way? I don't know if I necessarily agree with that view that I'm putting out there, but it is something that sort of seemed to build as the podcast went on. It was a running theme that I noticed that is, if he's a friend, is him vanishing something that's realistic? I think he loves animals and dead people more than the living, but he has an annual pilgrimage to Marty's grave. Back in the late 90s, Star Wars figures were, action figures were really all the rage. And we knew a manager from KB Toys. His name was Marty. And Marty was um, severely overweight. And, but he, him and Steve were really close friends. And Marty loved Green Lantern. He was young. He was probably, our age, he'd probably be in his early 40s now. He had gone into the hospital for, he had passed out getting into his car. And he had gone into the hospital and they found something with his heart or something. And then one day, like three days later, oh, Marty died. He had a blood clot. In his leg, it traveled to his heart. He had a heart attack. He died. Wow. You know, I'm a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid at that point. You don't know people who die at that age that aren't your... You don't have friends. I mean, he hated me. So the joke is always that at the funeral, I couldn't stop crying. And it was because his mother was crying. And for some reason, that really hit me. I was crying as much as anybody... As more than anybody else at the place. And Brandon thought it was so amusing because... Marty hated you. Why would you be crying here? Like, he hated you more than anybody. Every year since then, Steve has gone to Marty's grave at the anniversary of his death. And he's been leaving various... Uh, um, Green Lantern. Green Lantern paraphernalia. There was a ring in the showcase that Marty had wanted. And almost unheard of of Steve. So Steve took a $100 ring out of the showcase and left it on Marty's grave. And Steve takes very much pride in that bite. But that's not an act. That's that's 100% pure. Um, I think Marty was a good friend to him, but Steve, again, maybe the gunny sack's not all bad. Um, Steve never forgets. I think that's an odoism as well. But, you know, it's been probably almost 20 years now, 15 years or so at least, and Steve still goes every year. And to argue against myself from previously, is that something that you would do if you weren't a real friend? You know, to go back to the question that you raised about you know is is he our friend or are we does he consider us friends i mean i you know i would argue strongly that in the affirmative again i think what you know the the persona that he puts forth isn't isn't always necessarily you know indicative of how he feels inside and i think you know again going by the action the story that you just told what he does for marty every year i think that shows that i don't know why he doesn't see it sometimes. I don't know why he doesn't see how he reacts with other people, how he interacts with other people. How calling somebody, you're dead to me, might be offensive. He has very poor insight into himself. Well, it's been great talking to you. Uh, thank you for, for, again, just offering your insight and shedding some light on this period of alternate realities history. Now, as promised, uh, here's more of my conversation with Jay Mizell. 
Jay, you are a self-described Luddite. You do not embrace or understand much of modern technology. I am detesting it more and more, not less and less. Hence the title of this episode of My Comic Shop History, What the F*** is a Podcast? Why well, don't just throw out dirty language? There's too much of that around. Well, I've got to cut back on that shit. Yeah, well, you're <laughs> off to a great start. But it's true. You hear it all over television. It's, it's the whole society is, is tripe. We should address the question posed in Yes, its, in its I would title. like an answer to that. Doug, would you like to explain what a podcast is for Mr. Mizell? It's essentially a recording that you can listen to on demand. It's that simple. What's the difference between that and any other recording? Because you get it off the internet. But I don't go on the internet, so I'll never hear this either. Well, he'll make you I detect the internet. But you see, that's what's run to ruin us. This fucking shit with these, with these uh, tablets and whatnot, and uh, this, that, and the other thing. And every third month, they come out with something new, and uh, it's such a fucking load of shit. And people swallow like they're they're busy laughing at what I'm saying, but in the meantime, I actually mean it. I think that's clear. I think people know that you mean it. And I think there are pl probably plenty of people who would agree with you with your assessment of modern society, the decline of manners, the lack of taste, the dependence, the over-dependence on a lot of this technology. I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah, well, I don't know where the fuck they are when I got to time to open their mouth. When the, kind, when the lines form so they can get their, be first in the store to get their new Apple. Here's what I want to ask you first. So, no interrupting now. So over the course of these past 10 episodes of My Comic Shop History, we've all been talking about alternate realities, what it has meant to us, and how we feel about the fact that it's closing. But it's interesting, because we've all been talking about how it affects us, but Jay, you're actually someone who's, in a lot of ways, probably affected by this more than a lot of us, especially in terms of how much time you spend here. For years now, and I want to talk about how you came to this point, but for years now, you have been coming to alternate realities on Mondays and Thursdays, having lunch here and spending hours with the store's owner, Steve Odo. And now that is about to come to an end. So, I mean, how do you feel about everything that's going on now? Discombobulated, I guess, is a good word. Yes, discombobulated. I'm at a loss as to what I have to do on as to what I will have to do on Mondays and Thursdays. And I'm still in the process of setting some sort of activity in motion. Oh, like what? I don't know. I'm still in the process. The owner of the Spider's Web, another comic book shop in Yonkers, uh, he made the offer to you, actually, when you were when the, the flea market closed, that you could go and I hang out there. I think I will take it. But the trouble is it's a lousy trip. But I will take the advantage of the offer. You'll take him up on that? You'll hang out at the at Spider's least, Web? At least one day. You like the pizza next door. Yes, it's a, it's, it's excellent pizza, if I may throw in a, a plug for the pizza place. What's the name of the pizza place? I have no idea. I have All a right. card in my wallet, but that's... No, I don't think I carry it around. It's ridiculous to carry around a card of a pizza place. What was your initial reaction when Steve said that he when he told you that he was closing? Alongside with many other people, I didn't believe it. Why not? <sighs> Number of reasons. I, it, I thought that, uh, you know, he says he spent so much time... since. Obviously, he cared a great deal about the store, the act of getting a good collection here, there, and everywhere. The the give and take of people of uh, you know his uh, his um, 
it's a fiefdom. It's his own little kingdom. And I guess every retailer feels to a great degree the same thing. You know, it, it's mine. He ran the best damn shop around here. So, uh, you know, the uh, he's, he's leaving on top, put it that way. Why do you say it's the best shop around? All things being equal, it is. In what ways? He carries everything there. He lets you have lunch here? <laughs> That's, he, put, he tolerates me. That's enough right there. Well, that goes a long way. I mean, <laughs> it sure as hell does. He, uh, no, he carries. He, if, if there was ever anything you want in this, uh, in this, what? Come on, give me a word. In this. Establishment. Uh, no, if there's anything you want in this line. Industry. He, he, well, he could get it. He could either have it or he'll get it for you. He was, you know, he, he ran a good shop. And he knew what he was doing to a great degree. The only thing that he had, in my opinion, he did, well, I did the same thing. I guess everybody does. And since I told him about it, he overordered on books. But then again, who the hell doesn't? Yeah. I mean, I think finding the right number of, of issues of copies to order, you know, I think is something that many shops struggle with. So he's not alone there. No, far from it. When and how did this Monday Thursday routine start? I haven't got the vaguest idea. I think it just sort of grew into it. I'm well, how did you meet Steve? You well, need Jeopardy music right now. Yeah, well, I can add that in post. I'm well, how did you meet Steve? I probably, <laughs> in my inimitable <laughs> fashion. Screwed up somebody's order and probably had to get pick up a book or two when I came in here. So you think that you initially came into the orbit of, of Steve Odo yeah. and alternate realities Seriously, because you needed what... you needed a comic yeah. book for your booth. So you came here to see if they because had Because I it. wouldn't go to Morris, who's since gone on to the great comic book store in the sky. A shithead. Where was where what where was his the store? The one in White Plains. Oh, comic book heaven? Yes. Oh. You didn't like that store. I didn't like Morris. Oh. Why? I was only in the store once. That was enough. What put you off? Well, again, I needed a couple of books for my customers. I don't know why my customers put up with me. I really don't. I honestly don't know. But anyway, and uh, my wife and I were in White Plains at that time, and we went into his store you know, to, so I could pick up these books, and they were on this rack, and I picked up three of, I don't remember the name of the book, but anyway, I went up to the uh, online, and, I, and then I asked a stupid question. And I said, do you have a dealer discount? And Morris immediately, because he was a, took back two of the three books, and he let me buy one at full price, of course, but he, he needed the two books for his stock. Ah, bullshit. So I never went back to Morris. I never had anything to do with Morris. And I was really, <laughs> so he died. So that was how you started coming to alternate realities, mm -hmm. and then somehow the the routine. I, that, grew. I don't. Yes, I don't know how. Maybe as your friendship with Steve grew. Most likely, if you could tolerate it. What is your friendship with Steve based on? Like, what what do you guys have in common? Why do you hang out? I don't know. He went to Yale. Mm-hmm. Where did you go? I went to City College in New York. That's a lie. I didn't go to City College in New York. I went to Hunter College in the city of New York, one of the four city colleges. Uh, we both have, we both uh, 
share uh, opposite points of view. Politically, very much so. Yes. And uh, I don't know. Do you both think the world is shit? To a great degree, yes. That's very. That's a good point. It's a nasty end the world is coming to. Bad, bad end. Did you? So you did you bond over that pessimistic well, world more, view? It's one more. It's one more piece of the puzzle. Is it mo- mostly just that he lets you sit here? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, perhaps he's lonely. <laughs> Monday is a slow day. Needs. What Jay really likes about Steve is that he has a place for Jay to go. <laughs> Are you going to see Steve when the store closes? I, I don't know. I'm going to. I don't know. Would you make an effort? To? I yeah. I put it this way. Yeah. And what will you do? I mean. I don't know. Because you come to Steve's we'll store. Let it fly. I mean, what, is right. Steve going to go to your house? Are you going to go to his perfectly house? perfectly welcome. Okay. Are you going to go to Steve's warehouse? Warehouse space? Because that's where, as I understand it, he's planning to spend a good deal of his time. Once once alternate realities is no more, all of this merchandise all is, of this I know. is yeah. being moved to two warehouse, two storage spaces in a warehouse. Right. But I get laws going. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. I get laws going around the block. Well, how are you going to find Paul's place? Well, I know where that is. You go down that, you know, you make a left, and that's that's easy. Okay. You got all that, Doug? I do. I know exactly <laughs> how to find it now. <laughs> it's just a left, and then you're there. You go there, and then you're left. Yonkers then- Avenue, buddy, and that's easy. See, so you go right. down there, and you see the store, because it's easy to spot, and, you know. You got to go over, and then, there. and then boom. I'm curious what you and Steve end up doing. We're going to keep tabs on you. Has he has he brought this up to you at all? Why About, should he? Because you're friends. No? I'm no. just curious. I'm just asking. Hasn't no. closed yet. That, well, that's true. Yeah, but you're you're down to the final weeks now. Yes. I'm down to four. Four? What's today's Not date? four weeks. No. No, four. four, four I, yeah, I think you have two, you have two full two, weeks yeah. left. Right. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Is there anything special that, that you... <laughs> Are you going to bake him a cake? <laughs> my mother was the baker in my family. Okay. You fairly recently went through what Steve is going through now. Certainly a big difference was the fact that the market closed on you. You didn't have a choice um, where Steve has made his own decision to, to close now. However, in terms of having to say goodbye to everything, box everything up, you know, plan the next chapter, you, know, you lived this fairly recently. So have you offered Steve any, any advice, any guidance? You're cute, you know that? You're really looking for me to say something. No. No, I'm not looking. I'm just I'm <laughs> just asking. And a pig's ass. No. You've not spoken about? You've not talked no, about? No, he's doing such a fantastic job. By, he's doing such a bang-up job by himself. What the hell am I going to say? Okay. Hey, so he hasn't asked you for any, any I, feedback? I, I offered to help, but we both know that's... Uh, that's bullshit because in all honesty I can't lift I can't carry and I can't do much of anything and I certainly can't paint that's nice of you to offer yeah I meant it but I know god damn well he won't take up uh, take it up take me up on it but no I know it was a difficult thing for you to go through and I I mean my heart goes out to you because you're you're losing yet another comic book shop within a short amount of time yeah I never thought of that but you're right so when I'm, did you? Uh, I'm I, I'm sorry. I'm afraid I'm not becoming a jinx. That's the next one will be Paul. <laughs> well, you know what? 
Uh, that would catch me up short. Third you time's know, a charm. If yeah. you go down there and that one closes, we know it's you. Yeah, Jay, if that happens, then just stay home for now. <laughs> just have lunch at home. But you know I'll what? take that under advisement. So you're not on the internet. So when did you find out about Steve closing the store? Because we all read about it on Facebook. Clearly, you wouldn't have read it on Facebook. No, clearly I didn't read it on Facebook. Though, let's so the audience knows. I don't you remember do. that either. You have Jay has a Facebook profile. You're on Face. I mean, you don't check it at all. I don't, I don't even know. I can't even find the goddamn thing. But you do have a Facebook profile. Who created it? I don't know. Like like uh, Peter Pan. It <laughs> That's was all I want to do right now is go on the computer and go, check myself, check and see. What I can't was. even get there myself. Every time I go on to try to see something, it says something about a uh, a password and I change it and it doesn't take that. Hell with it. So I just click it off. So he doesn't know how he began hanging out here. No, I just. And he doesn't know how he found out about the end of hanging out here. Look, son. He's going to reach across the table and smack me. No, I'm just, uh, I'm getting old. My mind isn't what it once was. So since the market closed, you relocated all of your merchandise to your garage. You've been doing garage sales. In terms of what you sell, you sell comic books and their related merchandise. You sell movie posters, you sell autographs, and you sell sports memorabilia. So those are the things you sell. And then I know within the past year or so, you started doing the occasional outdoor flea market in Hastings. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, uh... It takes it occurs the second Sunday of each month from uh, April to October. It's at the Hastings train station. I started to go last year. I missed the opening one in April. I, I started from May, and I you know I then I went through the year. It's uh, you know it's 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 reasonably it, the business has been reasonably good, all things considered. I want to talk about your your jobs, your other jobs, because prior to and during the time that you ran the flea market, you were a social studies teacher. You taught for many years. Yeah. yeah. That's the job I miss. I really enjoy those kids. You know, you could probably do something along those lines now. Ah, some, no? Not the same. Not the no. same. Well, maybe we can get a little a little sample of how you used to shape young minds. Adam, would you like to, to come and, and sit in for, for a moment here? So Adam is, Adam is my intern. He's been helping me out. He's been he's he's filming this podcast. He filmed another podcast. He's my intern, and uh, I thought maybe you can sort of give him some some words of wisdom as he embarks upon the next chapter of I his life. I don't know the first thing about podcasts. Well, you don't you don't have to. It's all right. So Adam, here, pull up a chair. Get nice and close what to the this? mic. What is this? This kid's graduating high school. He's just yeah. He's going to be graduating high school. And, and what am I supposed to tell him? I don't know. Maybe you could offer him some guidance. So, Adam, what are you doing after graduation? What are your plans for the fall and beyond? Well, I'm going to... I'm attending uh, Oswego State, uh, up upstate New York. Uh, it's about four and a half hours away. And um, I'm actually planning on majoring in uh, broadcast and communications. What do you think, Jay? Go to NYU. <laughs> what? That, that's your advice to go to a different school? <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to do with that? I don't know. I thought you might have some some guidance for him. I mean, no, he's a young, too old. He's a but, well, he's a young man. He's a, he's starting the next chapter of his life. <clears throat> yes, he is. What should he be getting out of his college experience? A job that makes you a lot of money. Don't tell me. Tell him. I'm telling him, but I'm looking at you. What? <laughs> okay. Don't, don't make the mistake I did. Don't go into something because you like it. 
It's one of the dumbest things I ever did was become a geography major because I enjoyed it. And then I found you can't do shit with this unless you have at least a PhD. And what are you, when you get a PhD, what do you become, a cartographer? Well, you major, you can major in that. Okay. Or well, what do you do else? for a living? Do you like make maps? Do you study maps? I'm... You teach or you can go to work for like a... Uh, Rand McNally or something? Okay. Atlas, an Atlas. Looking back, what would you have majored in if you, you know, what would you, Jay, now say to young Jay then? I'd get my father to teach me the business. And what business was that? <laughs> my, father, my father was a bookmaker. <laughs> he wouldn't teach me a business. <laughs> By bookmaker, I do not mean the people that make these books. Has something would, to do with the ponies? Yes, and and anything else. Right. I got well. It's, uh, it's I've learned quite. Did a, you ask your dad to teach you bookmaking? I don't know. I may have at one time or another. Because he said, "I know." I know he said no. So when you so you have four you have four lunches left here at alternate realities. Will you, I mean so nothing? Will you do anything in any way to mark the final lunch? No, because I'll offer to buy him lunch. He'll say no, and that's it. And you'll leave and you'll say, Zeigesund, your trademark farewell. What does it mean? And go in health. Go in health. For more on Jay Mizell, please check out my short film, By Spoon, The Jay Mizell Story, available to rent now on Vimeo. Visit vimeo.com slash on demand slash flat squirrel. I want to thank all of my guests for this episode, Metal, Jay, Doug, and Adam. Next week is the big finale. Don't be a flat squirrel. 